But we do appreciate your patience last week. I know we uh, had a crowd that kind of overwhelmed us a little bit, but uh, I think our greeters, all those who are involved in helping get people to the right places, everybody did a great job last week. I want to thank you for your patience with us again, with the seating and everything, but God, uh, I think, did a powerful thing here last week, and I just want to thank you for uh, being patient with us. And then secondly, our Guatemala mission team got back safely last evening, uh, be praying for the work that was done there this past week, that the seeds will continue to grow. And, and then also, in, 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 as we look at missions, I do want to welcome John Bomber. John Bomber and his wife Jennifer, is she back there? Yeah, go ahead and stand up. Uh, they are basically, when it comes to what they do, they do some powerful things throughout the world, that's for sure. They actually train pastors, and what they're doing right now is primarily in Africa, and uh, we look forward to doing some things to partner with them in the future. And uh, they're here with us this morning. Let's give them a round of applause. We do thank you for being here with us. <clears throat> we look forward to that. It, it, that is a big need, especially when you get into Asia and Africa uh, the need for pastors to be trained. There's a lot of people with a call on their life, and uh, they, they don't really know what to do with that call, and the training goes a long ways in helping them. And they've been doing this type of work full-time now for just over 30 years. So continue to pray for them, and we look forward to partnering with them on some of their projects in the future. Well, today we continue the series that we put on pause for two weeks for Easter. That was a good cause, right? So we put it on pause. I'm going to close this series out today, and we're looking at reviving the wounded heart. And so, we, if you will, turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We're going to be in a bunch of places in Scripture this morning. My goal this morning is tie, to tie together where we've come so far in this series. And as we do that, in the first week, we learned that those closest to us have the potential to hurt us the most. And the reason we know that is because we do. There's a closeness that we develop with those around us, our family, our spouse, uh, those that we confide in. And when they betray us, when that hurt is in place, it can be very difficult to overcome. But here's what we need to understand in light of that. We all come from a place of dysfunction. We all have insecurities in our life, and, and we bump up against one another. There's going to be pain. There's going to be sorrow. There's going to be an expectation almost that hurt will come into your life, and even with those who are closest to us. The second week, we looked how hurt lingers in hearts that are wounded, and, and, and when we allow that, that lingerness to take place in our hearts, then that root of bitterness begins to creep up. And creates all kinds of problems. The third week, we looked at the fact that we've learned really what the true uh, meaning of forgiveness is. And the, I think the thing we've got to understand is this. Forgiveness is supernatural. Forgiveness is one of those things that is not, does not naturally come from us. We, we don't want to forgive. That's, that almost runs against the flesh nature. We want to hold things and, and, and put things in place to maybe to protect ourselves, maybe to, to, to seek revenge on that per person. But the point is, it's a, require, it's a work that God needs to do in our life. And in the fourth week, we learn from the example of Joseph of the Old Testament how God can take our wounded heart and accomplish great things. We get all the way to the end of the life of Joseph. 
He's there. Do you remember the story? His brothers come in. Their father has passed away. They, they think Joseph's really going to get them now because of the way they betrayed him. And he looked at him and listened to the words he said. Joseph said to his brothers, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? Can I really pronounce judgment on you? Can I really, in all good indicators, take out revenge on you? And then he says this, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. He took the evil that you put into my life, and God made something good out of it. And then he goes on to define it in order to bring about, as it is to this day, to save many people alive. So Joseph saw the evil that had been done unto him was one of those things that God used in a spectacular way. Now, some of you are sitting here, and you're like, well, how's God going to use mine? Is he, is he going to part the sea with my hurt? Is he going to do one of these great miracles? No, not necessarily. But the point is, God knows your hurt. And God is capable of taking that hurt and doing amazing things with that hurt. And then today, what I want us to look at is the pursuit of transformation. Look at the introduction on your outline. Our identity as a follower of Jesus is one of transformation. If, if you were to say, okay, when I identify with Jesus, I identified with him and my salvation. As a result of that, God's brought salvation to my heart. Holy Spirit now comes to live within me. Now, what is the expectation of what should happen in my life? It is one of transformation. The goal in which God produced in you is not just to save you, but transform you. We find that all through Scripture. And so what's he trying to transform us to? From our old life before salvation to our new life becoming more like him. You see, God desires us to display basically the life that, that Jesus displayed. One of care, concern forgiveness, all those things. And so what is his goal? What's his means of doing that? That the Holy Spirit would work in your life. Jesus said, I've got to go, but there's one who is going to come. He's going to do this, this, and this. You remember what he said? He's going to convict. He's going to teach. He's going to guide. He's going, he's going to be the one to help you in this journey of life. Through all the hurts, through all the frustrations, through all the disappointments, he's going to help you through all of that. And so as we look at this idea, the first thing I want us to look at, which we didn't finish uh, three weeks ago, are the benefits of transformation through forgiveness. And the first thing that we see there is we identify with Jesus. When you forgive, you identify with Jesus. Now, how do you identify with Jesus? To me, the greatest display of forgiveness is what we celebrated two weeks ago, the cross. That is the greatest display of forgiveness ever known. And always will be. So as a result, when we forgive, we're identifying with one thing that Jesus did so necessary for us was to forgive us. Now, the Lord's Prayer. How many of you ever said the Lord's Prayer? I mean, it's loaded. They came to him. They said, well, Jesus was basically saying, here's how you pray. And he, 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 he showed them in this prayer. But there's one phrase in there we overlook sometimes. It's this. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is a powerful statement. And literally, when you pray that prayer, here's what you're praying. Forgive us in relation to how we forgive others. That's convicting, isn't it? I want you to think about that. 
Forgive us, forgive us as we forgive others. Now think about that. How many of you are holding on to unforgiveness right now? How many of you want God to withhold forgiveness from you? None of us, correct? And he doesn't. But the fact is, that's what we're praying. Now, so we see that as a result of forgiving, we identify with Jesus. Secondly, we, we develop a proper perspective. We begin to see our lives, number one, through the lens of grace, through the lens of grace, and secondly, through the lens of God's sovereignty. The fact that God has brought grace into our lives, and as a result, that becomes a part of who we are. That's, that's part of that identity, too, that we're forgiving, but we also extend grace. Why? Just like forgiveness, we receive forgiveness, we're going to give forgiveness. We receive grace, we're going to give grace. But not only that, we see through the sovereignty of God. God, think about this, is controlling the events of this world. Now, some of us would look at that and, and be kind of concerned about that. Look at all the different things that are happening. It seems like evil is winning. It seems like all these things, evil is winning. But God is still sovereign above it all, and one day we'll put it all in order. So when we begin to look through a lens of sovereignty of what God is all about, he is working in and through and outside of and in and through what we see in this world as a messed up world in which he still is in full operation of. And how's he going to do that? He's going to do it through us who identify with his son, Jesus Christ. See, Paul, when you say, give me an example of what you're talking about. Paul found the proper perspective to his hurt and suffering. He saw God's greater plan for his life, and it did not involve his comfort necessarily. How many of you love comfort? Oh, yeah. My wife uh, picks on me a lot because I like pillows. I am a pillow connoisseur. I believe there's a perfect pillow for each one of us. And if we'll continue the journey to look, we will find the perfect pillow. How many of you, can anybody identify with this? Yeah, when Bed Bath and Beyond and or whatever that thing's called, when they went out, it's going out of business, the one closest to us going out of business, I was depressed for a month after hearing about that. <laughs> but the fact is, we love comfort. But sometimes, and if you look in the scriptures, we're not called to comfort, are we? That's not what we find in Scripture. Can we be comforted? Yes. But when we're comforted, we're normally in the midst of a mess at times. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But the point is this. Paul said this. Concerning this thing, many of you will recognize this right away. Concerning this thing, this thing that was in my life, it's unidentified in Scripture, and I think it's that way because God intended it to be that way. We don't know exactly what this is. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it may depart from me, that it no longer be a part of my life. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. What God was saying there, he was saying, this thing that you want so badly, so much out of your life, it could be the very thing that I'm using to keep you where you need to be. Wow. That'll blow your mind, won't it? And he goes on. He says, therefore, most gladly, Paul's response to this was this. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And he says this. Therefore, I take 
pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. I went and did a little word study on that word pleasure. And here's what it means. To resolve to state and feel something is good with the willingness to pursue. And that's really what you find here. Paul basically said, I'm going to state this because God said it was okay. It needed to be in my life. God was working through my weakness through this. So I'm going to state this. I'm going to feel good about this. And this is something I'm going to resolve to myself that this will be something that will be in my life. And I can count on this, that God will use it for my good and also for the good of his kingdom, which is even more important. And that's what he, that was his conclusion about it. But then he says this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. The very thing that could be your thing that's not named here with Paul, maybe it's your hurt. Maybe it's you've been hurt so badly that it's one of those things that you prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to take it away. But here's the thing. We, we sit here and we say, God, take it away. God, take it away. But God is sitting here saying, no, no, you've got to do something about this. This is on your plate. Yeah, it is a supernatural act to forgive someone. But there's things you must do. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But Paul came to this perspective. He, he looked forward to, to seeing what God was going to do through this. Sec, next, what are the benefits of forgiveness? Good health. How many of you like to enjoy some good health right now? Hey, listen to this. Proverbs 3, 5. How many of you know this verse? But you don't read far enough down. Here it is. This is the part you'll recognize. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. How many of you know that? Okay, you know that. Most of you know that. You've heard it. You've memorized it. Whatever. Then it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. That's a good word for all of us. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. But then it says in verse 8. And it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Follow the Lord. Look for his ways. There's something in your life that you feel like needs to be resolved or taken care of. Take care of it the way he's called us to take care of it. As a result, it's saying we can enjoy good health. Now, some of you are like, what were you talking about? Where, where's this coming from? Did you know psychology actually agrees with this? L listen to this. The studies from the American Psych Psychological Association have shown that forgiveness, they use the word forgiveness, reduces depression, anger, that's a given, stress, anxiety, cardiovascular disease, and even pain. Now think about that. Even they see it. The words called it all along. People who forgive show increases and improvements in hope, a better outlook, compassion, self-esteem, and their immune system. All this surrounds the idea of forgiving. All this is, surrounds the idea of knowing what to do when we've been offended, when we've been wounded, when we've been hurt. Next, what are the benefits of forgiveness? Personal peace. How many of you love to enjoy some peace? You remember when you were a kid and you, you, you just lived carefree? You just kind of 
got on your bike and just kind of took off like a cowboy, you know, leaving, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, but I don't know about you, but with this pillow that I'm looking for, <laughs> I want to lay a, a mind of peace upon it. Wouldn't that be just beautiful? You know, you know what I'm saying? Wouldn't that be great? And, and, and here's what we must understand. Again, peace in a world with so much dysfunction, where people are hurting one another left and right, where you can't turn on the news without hearing something that, that hits you deeply. We live in that world, and yet there can be peace in the midst of it. You say, how is that possible? Well, I'll give you the verse here in just a moment, but listen to this. There's really, when you think about it, there's nothing better than peace. Another definition of forgiveness is this. It is having peace in your heart regarding the wrong done to you with peace in your heart. You can remember the wrong and you can still say that it is wrong, but the terrible feeling you had when you were hurt, they do not come back rushing to you whenever you happen to recall the hurt. With peace in your heart, the, those terrible feelings and hostility are, hostilities are resolved. Also, the inner peace of true forgiveness allows you to move on with your life. I told you about my own battle of, of dealing with, with hurt that turned into hostility. And what was interesting about it, I don't know about you, but it, it wasn't necessarily that, that the person who hurt me, I had a lot of hostility against them in, in, a, in a vibrant way, in a way that we stood toe-to-toe. No, the hostility all rested where? Within me. How many of you can relate to that? It, it wasn't that it was extending. It was right there in me. And that was the problem. And the thing is, we got to know what to do with that. But the Bible says in Philippians 4, you know these verses. We looked at this several weeks ago. He says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Take your hurts. Take your wounds. Take all these things to him. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then guess what happens next? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, this is key, your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Why do you need your heart and mind guarded? <laughs> you probably know the answer before I even say anything. Number one, the enemy is going to come at you any, at any point that he detects weakness. He's going to come at you. When hurt is in your heart, when you harbor resentment, when you're sitting there, you are a prime target for the, in, for the enemy to say, okay, here we go. He goes into full-blown operation. But not only that, how many of you sometimes can be your own worst enemy? And you can make things a whole lot worse than they really are. And you can think through these things, and you blow these things up. I remember back in the days in which I was dealing with the hurt in my life, I had blown this person up to be a monster. I had everything, I just wanted everything bad to stick. You, have you ever been there? Am I the only one? I'm the only one, aren't I? Okay, no, good. Thank you for helping me. But the point was this. The point was this. Every bit of that was right here within me. It was in me. This is what... It wasn't what they were doing any longer. It was what was going on in me, what I was doing to myself as a result of not handling it correctly. Next, what are the benefits of forgiveness? Abundant life. Jesus even said he came to give that. He said the thief, the enemy, he comes to, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But he says, I've come that you may have life and you have it more abundantly. 
you have it more abundantly. Back in those days in which I was harboring my wounds, in those days in which I seemed to almost enjoy the victimization of what was going on, in those days, it's like everything in my life just came to a standstill. Everything just stopped. Everything affected my life. This thing affected every area of my life, as we said several weeks back. But I want you to look at what Jesus is really all about. So you're sitting here today. Some of you still haven't let, let go. And some of you don't even realize what Jesus' ministry was really all about. I'm going to show it to you. And it was about where you are today. In Luke chapter 4, I want you to look at verse 16. It's very interesting verses here. So Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So Jesus goes back to his hometown. He's already been baptized. He's, the Mount of Temptations has already t- occurred. He's about to make public his ministry. So he goes home to make public the ministry that he's about to take on. So he goes there, and it was his custom as it was his custom. So back when he was y- probably even a young man, he would go into the synagogue, and he would read Scripture. Okay, so it was his custom. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, how many of you, if you showed up on, at the synagogue on that particular Saturday, always liked for Jesus to stand up and read? I'd be wanting that, wouldn't you? And I would guarantee you most of the people up to this point did too, until now. And look at what Jesus does. It goes on. It says, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah... By the way, to, to the synagogues, that was the most favorite reading is the book of Isaiah. Okay? So he was handed this, that scroll, and when he had opened it up, he found the place where it was written. Now, what you're going to read in verses 18 and 19 is basically Jesus' mission statement. And it's prophesied 600 years before he gets here. It's basically saying this is the mission statement of the Messiah. Okay? Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord, most commentators believe, is what's called the year of Jubilee. Do you know what happens at the year of Jubilee? It comes around every 50 years. All debts are canceled. All debts are canceled. Now, again, a lot of this has more to do with the financial debts one incurs. But could it include all? When it comes to the Messiah, when it comes to Jesus, of course it can. Look at what he wrote just before that. All debts canceled. You see, when you're holding on to your hurt, What he just described in these verses is basically you are in bondage. You're in debt. I mean, there's just something that's there that's just totally wrong. How many of you have ever been in financial bondage before? Don't raise your hand. I know it can be embarrassing, but I guarantee you most of us have been there before. You live week to week. You hyperventilate when a bill comes in a little higher than you expect. Your wife goes shopping, not for pillows, but for other stuff, and the bill comes back, and... (laughs) And you're sitting there. I've been there. We've all been there. Well, at least most of us. Some of you don't have a clue. But anyway, I'm moving on. I don't even like y'all. But anyway, but, but, but here, here's what's, what's amazing about this. All debts canceled. 
I remember when we got to a point in our finances where I could actually breathe. Have you ever been there where you, could, you just felt like, whew. now bless your heart, some of you may still be there. I've been there. I know what you're talking about. But let me tell you, you remember the feeling of getting out from under that and the freedom that you felt? And it was almost like, oh, my goodness. Listen, when I got to the point of forgiving this person who'd hurt me in the way that they hurt me, that was very similar. When I got to that point that I was no longer going to hold this person in debt, it was amazing what God did in my heart. It was just as real as when I came to know the Lord. Just as real. You know why? Because just as my salvation is transformative, so was this path of the wounds that I carried and forgiving. It was transformative too. God used it in my life. He not only used it in my life to show me where I was wrong and where I am now in him, he's given me a platform of ministry from that. And that's what Joseph was talking about in the Old Testament. Yeah, you meant it for evil, and you did great evil to me. God meant it for good, but look at what he did with it. He's allowed me to come full circle in that transformation to see, and look at what God did with it. This can be a beautiful thing. And Jesus came to do this. Verse 20, he read this. This was the mission statement of the Messiah, which was Jesus. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now, at this point, he didn't say, I'm the fulfillment of this. He didn't say that. But he said it. Most commentators believe he said it with such authority that they thought, it's a no-brainer. He thinks he's this person. And then, guess what? Verse 21. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm here. I'm here. I don't know about you, but when I read that in the context I just read, I get chills. They didn't get chills. You know what they tried to do to him next? Run him off a cliff. Run him off a cliff. They believe it was blasphemy. But you know something? Here's, here's the difference. The reason I know it wasn't blasphemy is not because of what, just because of what I read in this book. The reason I know it wasn't trans, I, I, it was, was, uh, it was real is because of the transformation he's done in my heart. That everything he said he came to do, he's done for me. And it's been as real as what I read here on the pages of his word. That's how I know. Because of that transformative work that he's done in my heart. Lastly, another benefit of forgiveness Reconciliation. Reconciliation. I think I told you some several weeks ago that the person that I harbored resentment towards, bitterness, the point I couldn't even stand to hear the person's name mentioned, how God just transformed it all around. And then I even got to the point where I even, God did such a miraculous work in my life, I even came to a point where I started missing the relationship I once had with this person. Would you say that's full transformation? That's full transformation. And, and that's where reconciliation can come in. So, so I want you to look at this verse here on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Now, this is from the amplified version of the Bible. Uh, uh, tr uh, translation. It's beautiful. Therefore, if anyone is Christ, that means joined to him by faith in him as Savior. He is a new creature. That means he's reborn, renewed. How? By the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous spiritual condition has passed away. What was the previous condition? The Bible says we are dead. 
dead. That's where we were. And then he says this, behold, new things have come. This speaks of a spiritual awakening that brings a new life. But all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. It basically said Jesus made us acceptable to God. This is the best picture of reconciliation you'll ever see is what Jesus did on our behalf before God. And then he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So that's been transferred to us. So how does, how, how does God see us? We are ministers of reconciliation. That's what he calls us to. And the goal should be, if possible with you, that in the hurts and the wounds of life and all the bitterness and resentment, that recon- the goal, God desires it to be reconciliation. He does, as much as depends upon you. There's always two factors that have to work in reconciliation. Bringing people together. And that is what he's saying. That's been given to us. He was reconciling the world to himself. And now guess what? Through the ministry of reconciliation, we can bring reconciliation, not just for what we feel inside or restoration to to a friendship or whatever. It's also, it's a perfect example of what he did on our behalf. And so that's where it needs to go. That's the goal. Now, it takes us to the next point. And here's how I want to close out this series. What I want to do right now is just, in, in, as much as determines you, as it depends on you, I want you to just kind of meditate on some things that we're talking about here now. I want you to just kind of get in your own little mind. Don't worry about the person beside you. Just kind of get there and let God do a little work in your life right now in these closing moments of this series and what I want to do is I want to I want to pray for you right now and then I'm going to lead you through some thoughts if you'll grant me that right now would you, would you bow with me father we just come to you right now and lord we know that life is so difficult and father we are many of us are in this room have been hurt we've been wounded we've not only been hurt and wounded We've hurt and wounded. And Father, I just pray for each of us in this room, Lord, as we look past our hurt, past the wounds, past the fact that right now we would classify ourselves as a victim, that we would see that there's victory in you, that that we would see that forgiveness, while it is supernatural, it is something that can happen in and through us. Father, I just pray in these closing moments of this series that you would put these words in our hearts, your word, to contemplate in these closing moments. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to take you to what I consider a path to transformation from your hurt to forgiveness. So we got to begin with some questions. You've heard them before. Right now in these moments, who has hurt you? Identify the person, the persons. Right now, who's that person who just, it just hurt? It was painful. You're still dealing with it. You still carry the scars. Who's that person? Next, how does it make you feel to think about that person, that pain, 
that hurt. Identify the pain. And then next, what's your natural inclination towards that hurt, that person? Identify the lies. Because if your story is anything like mine, that story was filled with lies. Identify the lies that are there, that the enemy has placed there, that you've rationalized. And then, what does God's word say? Identify the truth. I've been trying to give you that for five weeks now. But really when it comes down to it, it comes down to these exchanges. That we're going to trade the lie for truth. The darkness for light. The hurt for healing. The feeling. Some of you are waiting to it to feel right. It'll never feel right. You just have to step out in faith. And then the bondage for freedom. And then this is on your outline. But with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you can take this home with you. But here's some memory verses I want to give you. Romans 12 kind of gets to the bottom of what we're talking about today. Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, those are believers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. That means dedicating all of yourself before him. What are you doing? You're, you're a living sacrifice. You're holy. You're well-pleasing to God, which is your rational act of worship. That means even logically and in, in, in intellect, you can get there to know that if he's done all this, this is just a simple act of worship, putting our lives before him. And then he says, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't, don't fall for the world's superficial values. Don't fall for the world's lies. But be transformed and progressively changed. That means you mature spiritually. How do you do it? By the renewing of your mind in which you're focusing on God's ways. Not what your flesh wants to have play out. Not what the world says, but God's ways. Why would you do that? And this is so important. This is the reason many people don't see God working in our lives. When you do this, you prove that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is. It's literally the idea of you seeing him working in you. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. His plan his purpose for you. I saw this play out in my own hurt. I saw this radical thing happen in my life. Something I never thought I could come back from. And then, what does our worship look like? What does it mean to dedicate ourselves? The hurts, the wounds, and all that. What does that look like? Well, Colossians 3.13. Here's how it plays out. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. That's, that's what worship looks like. 
It's not just singing a song in a room with full of people who love God. It's living his word out. That is a beautiful act of worship. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, let's carry it a step further. For some of you, this, this hurt, this pain, this bitterness you're holding on to is a stronghold in your life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, here's what it says. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. He's basically saying we're not going to find within ourselves those things that will be done supernaturally through our lives. But mighty or powerful in God. And how's he going to do it? Through the direction of the Holy Spirit. And what's he, what's he capable of doing? For pulling down strongholds. For some of you, that is your hurt. That is your, that is your wounds. That's your bitterness. That's your resentment. That's a stronghold. It's an imprisonment. And how do you do it? Cast down arguments. You start with what's going on in the mind. You quit rationalizing to defend what you feel. You quit doing that. And then he says, in every high thing, this is a belief system that's against God. It's what the world says. It may be what your worldly friends are saying. You have a right to hold on to this. He says, in every high thing that exalts itself against, it takes precedence over the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. You take, his takes precedent. Bring in every thought captive. You capture it. You bring it under submission. You bring it to God's truth. To the obedience of Christ. His, his provision and his protection for you. And that's what it looks like. And then the fourth memory verse I'm giving you. Romans 8, 28. Many of you already know it. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This verse looks at life, even your life, through a lens of forgiveness, providence, and purpose. When you no longer claim that the person who hurt you still owes you or needs to be punished at your hands, then you will see your life in God's hands. And from there, you'll discover that God has so many benefits to what he desires for you to do through your forgiveness. In John chapter 5, Jesus asked a man who could not walk if he wanted to be healed. I want you to think about that. Isn't it obvious? From what we understand in the story, he's, he's, he hasn't been able to walk for 38 years. And Jesus walks up to him and says, do you want to be healed? That question goes to us this morning. Do we want to be healed? Think about how crazy the question is, but really, do you want to be healed? It's amazing what we hold on to. So the first question we've got to ask ourselves as we move towards this place of healing is, do we even want it? And then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. When I began to live out God's word, Instead of holding on to my, forgive, to my um, 
resentment and bitterness. And it started to release from me. I wasn't even aware of how heavy that burden was until it began to happen. I was tired. I was burdened. And Jesus the whole time was saying, come to me. Follow my ways. Listen to me. I'll give you rest. Aren't you tired of carrying the burden of unforgiveness? Aren't you tired? I want to lead you in a prayer. It's right there on your handout. If you have a handout, just look there. It's, it's under the prayer. And here's what we're praying this morning. Dear Lord, I forgive. You can either write the name in or just know the name. I forgive whatever this person is for, and there's the offense. I forgive them because you freely have forgiven me and have commanded me to forgive others. Lord, I ask you to replace my pride with your grace. I confess and repent of my attitude and the spirit of unforgiveness. I do not excuse this person's offense in any way, nor do I use any excuse for not extending forgiveness. I drop all charges and judgments against this person, releasing me from the bondage of anger and bitterness. Thank you, Lord, for enabling me to forgive. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me say this. Those are just words on a page. And we can capture all that with our minds. But something that touches us in our heart has to be reapproached in the heart. And that's where hurt takes us. It's in the mind, but it's mainly in the heart. And this has got to be a heart change for you. And, and the question is this, what's the proof? How will I know that I've truly forgiven my offender? Here's what you can look forward to in the future if you meant this and you're expecting God to bring healing to your life through this. Your anger will turn to a gentle spirit. It'll happen. I'm living proof. I saw it. I've experienced it. Bitterness will turn to a grateful heart. An unforgiving spirit will turn to compassion. Will turn to compassion. Not compassion for yourself, but compassion for the one who hurts you. Because you quit looking at yourself and all the damage it was doing to you. You began to look at that person and you wonder about all the damage they're dealing with. What would cause this? What would happen? Literally, it's just a matter of taking your eyes off of yourself and looking at the other person and saying, what is going on here? What's happening here? This will bring freedom from bondage and peace from hostility. That's what he wants to give you this morning. I want to invite you again just to bow your heads. We're, go, we're going to, if you would, just stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. We're going to have a, a time of invitation right now. And, and we're going to have the, the stairs to the side or there where you can go and, and meet with the Lord about whatever you need to meet with him about. 
There'll be people here at the front if you need someone to pray with you. But in these moments, just do what God's calling you to do. Do what He's calling you to do. Nothing is simpler than just doing what He's saying. Father, have your way in these brief moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you so much for your love, your forgiveness towards us. And while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Father, I just pray that as we leave this place today, for those who are harboring something in their hearts, Lord, I pray there's been a release here today, Lord, that they've given it over to you. Lord, help them to realize that everything that they're dealing with may not be based on feelings even though it's been feelings up to this point but a big portion of this is just stepping out in faith and just doing it and in my case i saw the feelings come later but father i know it was a real work that began at a point in which i just surrendered those things to you thank you for that work you've done in my heart thank you for the work you've done in so many other people's hearts in this room lord i know their testimonies i've heard them say something very similar to what you've done in my life we thank you for it be with those that are holding on lord do a great work in their life we thank you for it in jesus name amen you're dismissed thank you for being here this